Craft Beer Radio, episode 34, March 10th, 2006. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show for craft beer and the craft brewing industry. I'm Greg Weiss. And this is Jeff Bear. Oh, very nice. A little, little subtle change. Little, this show we're revisiting a style that we looked at about our third show, was it? Yeah, it was show number three. It was the Belgian wit beer. Wit beer. The one we mistakenly called wit beer the entire show. <laughs> oh. Man, we got, that was the beginning of pronunciation getting Yeah, yeah. Don't remind me about that. But yes, this is the wit beer, the Belgian white or um, spiced wheat beer. Yeah, the, uh, we'll get into the details of the mm, beer. Okay, later. sounds let's, good. Let's jump on the business. No time for a groovy cool sudsgear.com commercial this week. So we're just going to mention them. Sudsgear.com is this website that sells beer swag. If you use the coupon code CBR, you get 10% off. And it gives us a little bit in our pocket, too. It gives Jeff 10%. Yeah. <laughs> there are several ways you can send us feedback. You can post a comment on our website. Craftbeerradio.com. You can vote for us on that website, Podcast Alley, and leave us a comment. You can send. You can go to our Frapper site and put your name in you know, there. I completely forgot about our Frapper map. Yeah. I haven't been getting updates lately. I don't know if I stopped e- getting the emails or if no one's been adding like in a month. We haven't mentioned it in a while. Haven't mentioned it. And then well, Basic Brewing Radio, James Spencer mentioned his last week. I'm like, oh yeah, I have a Frapper map too. <laughs> I should go look at it. Yeah, so check out the Frapper map. You can add your name and your location without even having to register. The link's on the uh, right-hand side of our website to the Frapper map and, and all the other things that we have that are satellite things to our website. Right. You can send us an email or audio comment to beer at craftbeerradio.com. And we love getting feedback from people. So if you've never written in, send us an email. Say, hi, I'm listening, and I don't just have my aggregator set to download your show, and I delete it every single week. <laughs> I just wonder how many people do that. Download our show because it's in their aggregator, it's mm-hmm. in their iTunes, but they never get around to listening to it. I wonder what percentage we're looking well, at there. I, I figure at least 10% probably. I mean, that's just, it's like the amount of people who get a newspaper and don't read it. Right. So, hey, if you never sent me an email, send us an email and say, hey, yeah, just say, I, hey I like your show. Or, um, and if you have any questions, by all means, we're happy to answer them. Absolutely. Microbrewers in Washington State agree to tax themselves ten cents a barrel to set up a commission to promote Washington State craft beers. Interesting. It's a concept that worked with the State Winery Commission, so they're kind of copying that business plan or whatever. The, the proceeds from this tax are going to go to marketing, and, um, and it says here that we're just trying to take back our shelf space. Hmm. Who's a brewer at Scuttlebutt's Brewing in Everett, Washington? More than half of the beer on the supermarket shelves. Is is imported from other places. It's other microbrews from right. other states, and they're just trying to promote Washington State craft beer and Washington stores. So it's not promote craft beer, it's promote Washington State craft beer. Which, you know, I mean... Think globally, drink locally, Greg. Yes. I, I know. I, I, I'm wondering... I mean, people... I don't want to just... I, I don't want to drink craft beer that's just from Pennsylvania. I, I want to try everything you know, out there. At the same time, I want to promote Pennsylvania craft beer, so it's it's. So a, it makes you wonder yeah. who are they pushing off the shelves? Other craft breweries or imports and macro breweries? Right. I mean, if they're pushing off Coors, then you know, I don't care if they're pushing off Bud Light. Big deal. That you know, that's great. If they're pushing off Bell's, well, then I don't know whether whether Washington State uh, beer fans, Washington State craft beer fans, are going to really enjoy that. It's not like it's a state law saying that half right. of every state shelf has to be local craft beer. It's a fund that they're taxing themselves so they can get more business. It's just advertising. It's yeah, good I business. Mean, so If it works, it works. I got an email from Heavyweight Brewing Company. They had a little update on what they're doing at the brewery. And you're familiar with their one-time, one-place beers. They used to be where they'd make a couple barrels and they would take them to a brewery. And that would be the only time they'd make that recipe right. of beer. And they changed uh, that to the one-time-one farmhouse thing. Right. Which was the, which was the, the saisons right. that they were doing. Well, apparently they, they're changing the acronym once again. They're going to make three or four beers with local area homebrew clubs. The first one, these beers are going to be packaged in the 750 milliliter bottles like they've been doing with the Saison de Lusures. This is Ivy League Pills, which is 7.3% alcohol pilsner made with a goodly amount of rye malt, they say. That should be interesting. It, this one was created and brewed by the Pale Ales, which is the Princeton and Local Environs Ale and Lager Enjoyment Society. 
Homebrew clubs go through way too much to get these acronyms. The one that the guys on uh, Pacific Brew News Radio have, it's uh, Sober. And it's like the Sierra Beer, something, something Beer Recruiters Association. <laughs> so just so they can get uh, sober out of the name. It reminds me of um, in Congress when they make big acronyms, like the Patriot Act is something ridiculous. So oh, okay. Make it say Patriot. Oh, okay. <laughs> Same and sort of can thing. Spam and the other ones. Right. Yeah, can Spam, which was concern or like computer. It was ridiculous. Exactly. The second in the series is going to be brewed, well, last Saturday. It's a Scotch Wee Heavy made by the Wood, Woodbridge-based Wales Homebrew Club and is presently unnamed. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, so there's this news that beer combats heart disease. Uh, the Innsbruck Medical University team behind this revelation has shown in layman's terms that beer offers a resultant anti-inflammatory effect which may have a beneficial impact on coronary heart diseases. And this is aside from the benefit that alcohol has. This has to do with uh, the enzymes in beer, I think. Beer extracts, which block the effects of interferon gamma, one of the most important messengers in inflammatory response and mainly produces part of cellular immune response. So basically, beer helps your heart. Helps your heart. Helps several other things. So it hurts your liver. Yeah. So is it still a net equal beverage or is there a net, is it net yeah. plus yet? Helps your heart. Hurts your liver. Contains carcinogens. There's <laughs> But there's the thing where it helps your mind. And there was something else that's good for you too. I don't recall right now. But. You know, you know what it helps though. It helps your taste buds. And it helps your brain because you're drinking something good. Yeah, it's and a you're more happy. enjoyable life. Exactly. Next piece of news: If you can't drink beer, then what kind of a life is it really? It's a beerless life. It's a beerless life, and I wouldn't want to live in a beerless life. <laughs> Oscar Blues Brewery, that uh, brewery that does the Dale's Pale Ale in cans, mm-hmm. grew ninety-two percent. That's in two thousand five. Cool. I wonder if cans just do that. I mean, these cans, but they pick it up, and there you go. They are the first <laughs> uh, nation's first hand canning craft brewery. Make Dale's Pale Ale and Old Chubb Scottish Style. They produced five thousand barrels of beer in two thousand five. I mean, it's if a you can- do the math, that means they only did twenty six hundred in two thousand four. It's a can that, from the look of it, you, you you'd you'd think it was something macro. And here's, so you'd here's a- pass it up, but maybe the macro fans are picking it up. It could be. I, I've told the story before. When we first got the Dale's Pala, I didn't see yeah. it because it was in a can. Here's a quote from um, one of the brewers or owners. The main reason we put our beer in cans was because the idea made us laugh. <laughs> Three years later, we're still laughing and we're still growing. It, it's one of those pop, you know, good mis- you know, mistakes. Absolutely. You know, or not really a mistake, but it's, it's sort of joke. Let's can our beer because only crap beer comes in cans. And boom, look what they're doing. One of the best beers you can get out of a can. That's for sure. Oh, definitely. Boston Beer Company is up 7.2% on the year. Reported. I love that these craft beers are growing. I love that the companies behind craft beer are growing. Yeah. The companies, you know, the regular beer companies are going to the crapper. Craft beer is growing like gangbusters. That means that Sam Adams is at 1.4 million barrels a year. At a pre- uh, more Sam Adams news, at a presentation of its annual results, the Boston Beer Company says that it will boost investment in Samuel Adams beer after the flagship brand contributed significantly to gross margins. Right, so they're trying to promote their line of beers, not just uh, not just the Sam Adams Boston Lager. Which is cool. When I first read it, I thought, oh no, they're just going to focus on Boston Lager. And forget about the rest of the stuff. But it's kind of contradictory to the new commercial that we've both seen where they talk about there's 18 brands of Sam Adams. And, well, some of the stuff's ad speak. You know, that's the best ale on the market. The best Boston ale on the market. Right. But it's cool to see that, you know, they're doing good. Let's strengthen the entire brand. Let's mm-hmm. promote all the beers the same. And they see, people, they, they see and people are going to see there's value. Hey, they make 18 beers that are, you know, a lot of them are very good. On the other hand, there'll be more on this subject in a bit. I'm going to talk about why it's not necessarily great. But let's go on to uh, Stone's New Brewery started making beer at the end of last year. Uh, this is their new brewery in new brewery in San Diego, which uh, last year Stone brewed 36,400 barrels. Eventually the brewery will have a – this year they brew 60,000 barrels. and um, Eventually the brewery will have a capacity of 200,000 barrels. That's pretty cool. Old Dominion Brewing Company sold – now you're not. Don't be scared. It's not to a mega macro conglomerate or anything. It's um, the sole part of the board of directors. There was a few people 
one was a brewer, no one was a business partner or something. So it's like staying in the family, if you okay. will, and staying craft. But so it's just owned by different people. All right, that's okay. On to what I said before, macro muck. This macro muck was uh, sent in to us by a listener, and uh, I wish I had his name. That was the um, same person that sent in the other news, I believe. Brian? Brian from Philly? Jerry? Jerry oh, Jerry. Houston. Okay, this is sent in by Jerry. Uh, and this is about the executive, the chief executive of Miller Brewing. His name is Norman Adami. Norman Adami recently appeared at the annual nightclub and bar show and said a whole bunch of stuff about his beer, saying that in the mid-1990s, brewers fell into a pattern of sameness in message, sameness in look, and sameness in our products, and that the consumer was actually looking for more diversity and style, and that's why they are losing market share. It says that the growth of wine and spirits is significantly outpacing the growth of beer with the exception of imports and microbrews, which continue to grow at a good clip, which we have seen. Now get this, though. Here's where the macro muck comes in. To fight back, Miller is overhauling the packaging and marketing of its big domestic brands, including Light, Genuine Draft, and High Life, while heavily promoting imports, including Pilsner, Urkel, and Peroni. They're overhauling the packaging and, and marketing. The marketing. So the beer bottles will look better. That is not going to help your sameness in message, sameness in look, and sameness in your products We're, problem. We are promoting sameness and increasingly going lowbrow, as if you're promoting beer as the official beverage of knuckleheads. <laughs> now, okay, so you could say, okay, they are adjusting the marketing, maybe so they don't appeal to knuckleheads so much, but they're doing nothing for the consumer that, like they point out, was looking for more diversity and style. They're just trying to fool. Doing the packaging is it will, will it's all you're doing is just appealing to the low brow, just like you were doing before. The people who are attracted by shiny objects. This right. is somebody you know where, where he's saying exactly what he should be saying, and then the, the the message just apparently goes right over his head. Yeah, we need to get more sales. Uh, they want something more intelligent. Let's make the packaging more intelligent. Now, at the same time, I, this relate, how does this relate to the Sam Adams thing I was talking about before? Well, the problem that I think is there with with marketing from these big brewers is that they're trying to market a brand specifically, and they want somebody who will just drink that brand. They want brand loyalty. Somebody who goes into a beer distributor and will purchase only that particular brand of beer, whereas a craft beer fan will go into a distributor and will try to find something new. Or maybe they'll go for this different brand or that different brand. Because something they haven't had since last year right. when it was out because it's a seasonal, something like that, along those lines. And so, you know, the Sam Adams are trying to do the same thing where they're trying to point, they're trying to push their label. You know, yes, at least Sam Adams has diversity and at least they have quality in their products. But at the same time, I'm not going to just purchase Sam Adams. You can't knock them for that, really. They're a company. They need to advertise their products. They're not yeah, going to advertise Anchor. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, you can't say, I guess you can't say, um, just, you know, only drink, you know, hey, drink our beer in the middle of drinking these other beers. You want to just advertise yourself. But it, it, it's just, it's a little off putting for me as a, as a craft beer enthusiast to go to see these commercials and think, you know, I like Sam Adams. I like some of the stuff they produce, but you know, man, I'm in the mood for a Trogues or I'm in the mood for uh, for a Great Divide right now. That's a, it's. I mean, I understand your point, but you can't knock the advertising. I Maybe mean, not. Maybe not. The advertising. They are. It, it and is advertising. And the craft breweries that are getting time on TV and they're promoting that a brewery has 18 different kinds of beer. What can 18 different kinds of beer taste like? Yeah. They, what? There's going to be light and ice and dry. <laughs> no, you know. So it's still it's educational. It's still benefiting. Yeah. The craft beer industry, these commercials. And anyone who knows, who studies advertising psychology knows that really advertising is about getting the name stuck in the user, in, in the listener's or viewer's head, and it's really about nothing more. Craft beer radio. <laughs> the idea is repetition in order to increase the awareness of the brand. That way it will perhaps appeal to the person, to the subject <coughs> at various times. So that I can understand that part of advertising and why they do that. It's just it, it is a little off-putting sometimes when, if you're actually trying to logically think about. Now, what's better, that Sam Adams commercial or the one where they were at a bar in Europe and there's that book of 500 beers? Oh, oh yeah, that's the one. And he's like, I don't need to look at the menu. I want a <laughs> Sam Adams. Yeah, that, that's oh. a, that's a bad commercial. This commercial the, with the 18 different beers is much better for the craft beer industry in general. I think I think it's definitely true. 
Brian from Philly writes in, Hey guys, I just got done painting in the garage and was listening to the Rybeer episode. How flippin' funny was it as I was painting to hear you say, the Bear Republic beer gave you a hint of paint, <laughs> like you were yelling at me to stop painting while we were trying to drink the beer. <laughs> yeah, uh, we, we definitely could taste that paint that you were doing. So yeah, don't stop painting when you're, when you're listening to our show. No, it's, uh, it is kind of funny. That's a funny thing to have happen, but uh, serendipity, I suppose. Exactly. Brian from Edmonton writes that he just started working in a very small craft brewery in Edmonton, Alberta, and he basically up and quit his higher-paying job in another city to move here and work in his dream job. He had many reasons for doing this, but part of his choice was somewhat based on listening to our podcast and other podcasts. It reminded him that the craft brewing industry is still a new and growing industry, and that he would love to help it grow. And there are plenty of people who really appreciate beer made with attention and quality. That's definitely true. Uh, so great, and we're, we're glad to help have uh, pushed you. In so that not direction. only are we changing drinking habits, we're changing career paths. Yeah, how about the hat? I uh, see. Just recently started listening to our pre and post shows. Uh, they're oddly pretty interesting. I think that's that's how we you know we feel about them too. Uh, in our in our next show, we should talk about the latest episode of Battlestar Galactica. I did talk about that a little bit, but not too much. Uh, and he also agrees with me that the Colbert Report is funnier than the Daily Show, but the Daily Show is pretty funny. Hard to argue with that. Hard, no, it is. Andrew from St. Louis writes in. I've had the pleasure of meeting Florian Coupland at the St. Louis Brews meeting. Cool. Well, not tonight, but when the night he sent the email. He showed up with some test market blueberry lager, an imported Chinese lager, and some of their spring heat spiced wheat, which is the new seasonal salt right now. Mm. The spring release is actually a killer Belgian wit. Easily one of the best he's had, right up there with the best microbrewed wits. Wow. And homebrewed that he's had. And it's a wide margin better than any of the brews he's had from the big guys, including the Fresh Hop Harvest Ale, the Front Range Harvest right. Ale, Poor Richards, the Michelob Celebrate, or Winter's Bourbon Scotch wow. Ale. Well, we got to give that a shot then. I was hoping I'd have some time earlier in this week to go, because the North Park Lounge had the other one on tap, might have this one too. Anton in Oklahoma thanks us for the great show on celery. Well, the, the segment on cellaring. Uh, is, there, is there a listing of appropriate cellaring times and temperatures for each beer? Hey, which brewers would provide that information? I don't think there's... On Beer Advocate, they list the cellaring temperatures for the styles of beer. Oh, okay. It seems to me, from cross-referencing their information with other information, their temperatures are a little bit colder than huh. what I've seen. But it'll get you in the ballpark. It'll get you accustomed to what kind of beers are cellarable and at what temperatures. It's a, uh, use it as a just a guide, okay. a reference. And also asked if there was any online instructions for proper tasting. There's a beer 101 on Beer Advocate okay. as well. And I think they may go over tasting in there as well. I'm sure if, if you're more of a rate beer fan, I'm sure they have similar things too. Sure. Drew writes in, as part of determined research in England, he actually had a Guinness at a pub there. And as the tap said on it, he tried it extra cold. Holy smokes, it was vile. Gentlemen, I had a lot of beer in England, but I could not finish it. Those stories of having Guinness on the proper side of the Atlantic really is such tremendous bunk. Even once it's warmed up, that was an assy, <laughs> assy beer. I like this email. Thank you, Drew. I, I'm frankly not that surprised. I did not expect that Guinness really is that much better overseas. Especially these days. Yeah. Maybe previous when it wasn't all just Diego doing the mass market extra cold crap. Right. So Pete from Melbourne wrote in. You were discussing gluten-free beer and asked listeners to drop a line if they knew of any. Silly Yaks, a local cafe in Melbourne that specializes in catering to the gluten-free crowd, has been using a contract brewer to make rather good gluten-free beer to serve to customers. Someone has asked that gold. It is a true beer using traditional brewing methods and gluten-free grains such as sorghum and amarath. That's interesting that there are gluten-free grains. Silly Yaks, the local cafe. Hmm. It's light in color, pronounced citrus hop flavor, very drinkable. A little pricey, says it's about sixty U.S. dollars per case. Hmm. But hey, if you need to get a beer and you can't have gluten, that sounds like a good idea. If you're in Australia, Mark writes in the main catalyst in his development as a beer drinker has been going to beer festivals, and he'd love to see us either promote or even incorporate one somehow into our show. So would we. There's not too many festivals in this part of town, in this part of the, uh, around Pittsburgh. There's like three. 
the first one of the year at Brewski at Seven Springs, I have to go to a wedding that day, mm-hmm. so I can't make it. I was actually going to uh, help Scott Smith pour in East End, and the moonlight is craft beer radio, and I can get away from the table. But I'm going to miss that one. There'll be the Penn Brew Fest in July, or is it June? Whatever. There's a state college fest I'm probably going to go to with Scott this year. Maybe the Red Star if they do one. They didn't do yeah. one last year. And that's all we have to go to, so we'll definitely do some stuff. In, uh, maybe we can talk around. to Penn Brewery about maybe putting our podcast out there too, just to have uh, do a session or something. Yeah, I was gonna try to get a press pass for Penn and do something. Maybe get a table and do something. Yeah. So we'll see. On to what beer am I? Uh, last week uh, was I think a pretty easy one. The Gonzo Imperial Porter from Flying Dog, which is a good Imperial Porter. Uh, the winners were John from DC, Chad from Paroya, Tom from Connecticut, Corey, Eric, Dave, Emily, Gary from California, Jerry from Texas. Eric, Carl, Dan, Stacy, and Ben. And Joe from Connecticut writes in that this brewery was a great place to visit. They are very informal and, in his humble opinion, make the best beer in Denver. Great Divide would probably argue with that on that point, but it's certainly possible. Uh, great Divide is, is that Denver? That's well, they have a Denver Pale Ale, so... Oh, yeah, I guess so. All right. Uh, it would suggest the next time anyone is in the Denver area to venture past Coors Field and Breckenridge Brewery to try the Flying Dog lineup. Flying Dog does make some great beers too. So yeah, it's a great place for beer. This week's What Beer Am I? It's kind of funny. Both Scott and Dave sent in suggestions for What Beer Am I? Four days apart, hmm. same beer. Wow. <laughs> the clues were Some of the clues were the same, some were different. First clue, I am a dry stout. Second clue, from my namesake, you can be the first in the U.S. to see the sunrise. Third clue, I have been world champion. Fourth clue, I am made by a brewery named after a town. Fifth clue, my brewery also makes a syrup, so you can make your own soda as well. Mm, Interesting. This one's going to be a little bit harder than last week's. Yes. Our beer style this week is the Witte beer, the Belgian-style white. Witte. White, Witte, but not Wit. Not Wit. (laughs) Certainly not Wit. It's a Belgian-style that is a very... it's a Belgian style that's very pale and cloudy in appearance due to being unfiltered in the high level of wheat and sometimes oats that are used in the mash. It's always spiced, generally with coriander, orange peel, or other oddball spices or herbs in the background. The crispness and slight twang comes from the wheat and the lively level of carbonation. Uh, you can you expect to get moderate sweetness from this beer, light, grainy, spicy wheat aromatics, often a bit of tartness. Um, moderate perfumey spices like coriander uh, and some zesty fruitiness, orangey or lemony, you'll notice the different ones. Um, you may get some people who try to put fruit in this beer. We highly recommend against any augmentation. I don't know if I really want to make a recommendation. I mean, you can. I mean, I like to taste the beer as it is, right. as it's served. But if, you know, some brewers do suggest their beer is served with you know, a lime or a lemon or an orange or something like that. So if the I, I guess, says so. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I feel that... Um, I like to taste the beer naked. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, you're going to get medium light to medium body, uh, smoothness and light creaminess uh, from unmalted wheat and occasional oats, and it, it should finish dry and clean and uh, often tart. The history on this beer, it's a 400-year-old style of beer that died out in the 1950s. It was later revived by Pierre Sellis at the Hoogarden Brewery, it has steadily grown in popularity over time. Uh, now, we recommend you drink these in pint glasses like we are. You can also use Pilsner glasses um, for some of these. It'll keep the head high. And mm. I, I, I'd like drinking the, the wits out of a, a Pilsner glass or what's that called? A tumbler, a tumbler glass sometimes mm. works well. Just, I don't know, just a different little bit of aesthetic when you're look for when you're drinking the beer. It's just one of those uber geeky things that really doesn't make a big difference. <laughs> if you want to pair this with cheese, Monterey or Pepper Jack. Those would be really good with this. And you can yeah. also use tangy cheeses like Brick, Edam, or Feta. Hmm. Yeah, Pepper Jack would be awesome. Uh, Salads would be a great thing to go with this. and be go, go with your salad course. You could also use it with uh, poultry, light, fish, or selfish. Meat, yeah. And not recommended for cellaring. And also, when you pour this, you want to you want to swirl it around and get the yeast that's in the bottle. Because it's unfiltered, and the yeast will add flavor to it. Absolutely. <clears throat> Our first beer of the night. Okay, now this is a pronunciation gate possibility. The name, you've seen it before. You've probably pronounced it Hogarden. They, it says on the labels, or it says on the boxes to pronounce it Hoogarden. 
But I believe, and I may be wrong here, but I believe the correct pronunciation is probably more like Holgarden. Uh, so that is probably how it's properly pronounced. Someone else can inform me whether that's right or wrong. So I'm going to use Holgarden. Oh, I love the aroma. I mentioned this in another show. Last time we did Whit beers, I really didn't care for them that much. They really weren't a style that I dig. But since then, I've really come around to this style of beer. So I'm really looking forward to tonight. This is one of the most popular imports you'll find besides Guinness, I think. Because it's, it's probably one of the best beers for its size in circulation, too. Mm. I don't know how much they sell compared to Sierra Nevada Pale or Anchor or something, but or Sam Adams Boston Lager, but probably one of the best imports you'll find. Yeah, I, I would probably agree with that. But we shouldn't really see how good it is <laughs> yeah. without tasting this beer, should we? We already saved some for the yeast. Oh, here, let me give you a little bit of sludge. All right, thank you. So I almost forgot. I was too busy talking. <laughs> And as the yeast goes in, it becomes a much cloudier beer. Uh, try to swirl that up a little bit, get some of that flavor. It's a very light beer. It's light sort of weedy look to it. Very pale. They're called white beers, wit beers. <laughs> they're almost are white. I mean, they're just a pale yellow, but they're so cloudy that like the very edges look white when it's not too thick mm-hmm. in the glass. Now, the aroma is uh, lemony. Big fluffy uh, head on this yeah. one. Nice white, not effervescent, but very fluffy head, like a meringue almost. A fresh, weedy, lemony aroma. Yeah, you're certainly getting the lemon spices, the lemon peel from the lemon peel, mm-hmm. and there's some coriander in here as well. Most likely, I'm pretty sure they have coriander. This is five percent alcohol. It's available year round, pretty much everywhere. The brewery started in 1966, like we said, Pierre Sellis. They're currently owned by InBev. <laughs> and they're actually closing the brewery in Hoogarden, and they're going to be making it in Bev's Brewery in Jupil. It really is pretty tasty, isn't it? It is. The uh, flavor, it's a very, it's a, it's a light mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. Effervescent. Flavor. Effervescent. It's, 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 it's really bright and um, appealing. Freeness, spiciness, at the same time it's just bright and uh, very lively. Yeah, it gives you this, this mix of the wheat and the spices. It's just, just, and it changes as it goes through your tongue. And in a couple sips, I'll describe it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I'm still trying to figure it out, but and it doesn't linger all that much. It kind of goes away. There's a, some of the spiciness a, lingers, but it doesn't have like a bitterness that lingers. Yeah, it seems like the coriander hangs around the most. Yeah. I think that's what I'm tasting right now. It doesn't really have um, an assertive hoppiness or bitterness with it. At the same time, not a lot of maltiness, and the wheat is going to provide basically a, a very clean feeling not not a whole lot of sugariness to it so you're getting a lot of flavor from the yeast and from the spices that are put in there and the wheat as well right wheat adds that little bit of um a tartness the the tangy mm-hmm. along with these other things but a wheat will promote that in these beers yeah, there's a little bit of tartness at the end before before it entirely goes away from your tongue there's a little bit of tartness there this won the bronze medal in 2005 at the Brewery Industry International Awards, the gold medal of the 2004 World Beer Cup, and the silver medal of the 1996 Brewery Industry International Awards. It's kind of impressive. You normally don't see such a large production beer win a gold medal at the mm-hmm. World Beer Cup just you know last year or year before. You, you typically see him like you know winning like ten years ago. Yeah. So I mean, this was the best wit beer entered in the World Beer Cup just two years ago. Um, did we mention that this was donated by Jamie and Charlotte Smith? Thank you very much, Jamie. Yes, thank you. This is the Who Garden or Ho Garden. Ho Garden. Ho Garden. I don't Wit think it's a H, but it's sort of a Ho. I can't say that. Ho. Ho Garden. Whitbeer. Beer. Blanche. Pierre Sellers came up with a nice beer in 1966. Yeah. It's really tasty and, and sort of a, a loving beer, I guess you could say. I'm drinking this beer, and I just feel like I'm sitting beside a pool <laughs> under an umbrella. It is more of a summer thing, I guess, uh, just because it feels – it's light and doesn't really sit on your tongue or in your stomach the same way that some of the heavier beers with the warming effects of alcohol and stuff like that. It's only 5% alcohol. It's not mm-hmm. – it, you know, it's, it, it's close to a session beer. 
you usually expect a pretty heavy carbonation in in wheat beers uh, like Hefeweizens, but this is – I think the spices and stuff are sort of drowning out the carbonation a little bit. It's not as effervescently carbonated as some like a Hefeweizen you might expect. I guess you could say that. I think in the mouthfeel and the flavor of this beer, I think the carbonation is playing an important part. And if it was less, I think the beer would taste watery. You think so? I mean it's not as prickly to me. But then again, that that flavor did get some prickliness. So I don't know. It's it, yeah, it's not over carbonated. It's not. That, it doesn't give you the prickliness. But I I think it, I mean it's it's appropriately carbonated, and I think there's a fair amount there that helps give this beer a mouth. Like we said, it's a light mouthfeel. Huh? Imagine how light it would taste if there wasn't the carbonation that was filling up your mouth. Yeah. So if it was less carbonated, it would taste a little bit watery. But this beer does not taste watery, so don't get no, that into your no, head. It's, it's very. Tasty and flavorful and Hogarden White Ale. Hogarden White Ale. Hogarden. Hogarden. I mean, I could be wrong. It could be just it's Hogarden, but I mean, I think that the way it's spelled, it should be Hogarden. We'll hear about it if it's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so our next beer. Yeah, that one was good. It went down smooth. Yeah. It was drinkable. Woo-hoo. Okay, we're going to compare. We're gonna, next one. We did this on purpose. We're compare the the world classic Hogarden to. Coors Brewing's Blue Moon Belgian White. Now, people have told us that this is not a bad white beer at all, and so we want to give it a fair shot, a fair shake. Uh, this is brewed by Coors, but at the same time, it's not you – know, I think this was originally a Sandlot beer or something like that. It, it could have been. It might have been originally developed at the Sandlot, which is the microbrewery at Coors Field mm-hmm. that you know, was part of Coors. Remember to you – know, not, not too much. We need to get some – Yeast in there. This one might not have any yeast on the bottom. Oh, really? Oh, that has yeast in it. Get those. Okay. Shouldn't let my prejudices. (laughs) This is my opinion from the Coors Brewing Company in Golden, Colorado. This, uh, like, Who Garden is like Whole Garden is probably going to be very widely available. Uh, available year-round, 5.4% alcohol. This actually did win some awards in 1996, the World Beer Championship Silver Medalist in White Beers. 1997, again, the Silver Medalist in White Beers. And back in 1995, it was the Gold Medalist in White Beers. So, I did thought I smelled a little bit of light strike skunkiness at first. I thought I did it, too, but... It, it's not overpowering. I think we'll no. be able to get through this beer, but I think there might have been a little bit of light strike in this one. Uh, but, you know, it's not, it's not really that assertively hop, so it's not going to... Affect it as yeah. much, I and, noticed, I, and I'm not smelling it as much as I did yeah. when I first opened the bottle. So it certainly is volatizing out. Yeah, so we'll let it sit for a little bit as you smell it. And yeah, I smell a little bit of that skunkiness, but at the same time, there's behind it. There's orange. It has a more malt in the aroma. Yeah, wheat, malt, wheat malt, and um, probably barley malt. I mean, well, yeah, it's not 100 percent wheat, barley malt, and some orange. Like you'd say, it's not as not as lemony. It's not as lemony as the Who yeah. Garden was, and the spice is not as readily apparent on uh, on on the nose as you will. The head isn't quite as as billowy, but it certainly is is white and and thick and air. And the, the the color is a little bit more closer to orange. Not bad. Not quite as delicate as the Whole Garden. Yeah, delicate's a very good way of putting it. I was trying to figure out it has a. A thicker mouthfeel, mm-hmm. and it's not carbonated as much as the Hogarden, and it's certainly more malty. Yeah, than the Hogarden. The Hogarden was all the spices in the flavor, and it was very delicate. Delicate's a great word. I'm glad you came up with that <laughs> the whole way through, and it was twisted with the different spices through the finish. This one's more of a malt. With, on your with tongue. fruitiness and a little bit of orange or fruitiness in it, yeah. And he really, yeah, the, the spice, the, the spice is not as readily apparent here. It, it it's it's there, very far in the background, but it, the 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 really brought out more of the spiciness, and it played with your tongue a lot more. And this is is more of a straightforward experience. I'm using anecdote time. Last time I had a Blue Moon Belgian White, I was probably eighteen years old mm-hmm. with some friends. And when I first took a sip of it, I thought it was a good beer. But then it left this aftertaste in my mouth. It was like, at the time, I thought it was just sour cardboard. And I'm like, that's the worst beer in the world. <laughs> I can't handle that aftertaste. It's been that long since I've had a Blue Moon. Do you still taste a sour cardboard no. aftertaste? 
but that was when I was 18. That's yeah. before I had even discovered Guinness at the time. So, <laughs> you know, and then beer, I think the beer of choice that summer was like Red Dog. Mm. So the carbonation here hits you more on your tongue than it does uh, the, uh, your cheeks. It kind of lays on your tongue a bit and then goes away. But the stuff in your cheeks, you really don't feel much carbonation at all. This is a beer that, along with the more orangey flavor, and does have kind of a little orangey aftertaste. Doesn't have the kind of tartness that the that the whole garden the whole garden did at the end, but is not bad. And no. I don't taste the skunkiness either. If you were giving given it blind, you'd never say this is from a you know one of the big three. Yeah, and uh, you know there, there's a little bit of tanginess from from the from that fruit, but you know you, you, right after the the whole garden, you can see why. Whole Garden gets such high marks. I do like wheat beers. I just I like them. They're, they're so comforting. Yeah, it's 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 quite a drinkable beer. It's just well, we we intentionally did the Who Garden first to compare the world class example to mm-hmm. the, the Coors example. This one isn't a bad beer. It's just not. We're looking for another Ho yeah. Garden. Yeah. And it's just not. This one isn't it. If you go to a bar and this is the best beer they have, then this is going to be. Uh, much better than you know, going for one of the yeah, standard I've, lagers. I think I've just added a new fallback beer to my list with Sam Adams Boston Lager, and I don't know what else, but <laughs> yeah, craft beers you might find it a non-craft bar type thing. It is fun. I am very glad that we do taste these side by side with other ones, and, and you know, I know that we. <laughs> it's kind of funny for me to say it on a thirty-four show, but mm-hmm. I do, I do like that you know getting the chance to really try these and 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 really get an idea of the style yeah. as you're drinking them. And I would really recommend somebody they go to a bar or something and they want to try, they want to really really impress upon them uh, how a style is. They they like go for all IPAs, they go for all stouts or something. They just they run the run the gamut of what they have there at, at a say a, a very big brewery. A very mm-hmm. big um, bar, B- bottle shop bar, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, because you really get an idea of the good stuff, the bad stuff, and just really how a style is supposed to be, to and the like, ugly stuff. Yeah. Sometimes, let's move on to the next beer. The next beer is Great Lakes Holy Moses. Go into the micro. I've never had this one, but I'm a fan of Great Lakes. This is a summer seasonal wit beer from Great Lakes Brewing Company in Cleveland, Ohio, at 5.4 percent alcohol. Their brewery started in 1998, or sorry, 1988, and they have an annual production of 25,000 barrels. This is spiced with orange peel, chamomile, and coriander. Mild seafood, they say this goes with mild seafood salad and spice herb dishes. Now this beer, the yeast was quite settled. It was pouring very clear. Hmm. But once I swirled it up, it gave us a nice cloudiness to it. This one, again, is not as white as the Who Garden was. Yeah. It's a, it's still a, a white cloudy yellow. These beers with the uh, the swirling the sediment they mess up my pores. I'm getting pretty good at pouring half glasses for us on these things, but when I got to save some for the sediment, Greg has a, probably about an ounce more than I have in this or two ounces. Yeah, and I have less sediment though at the same time. So it's like you, you, we really we have to impress upon people who aren't that into drinking wit beers. If you're going to try them, you must get the sediment in there. It will completely change the. Yeah, we of your we beer. did that before, and I think the Hefeweizen show we yeah. tasted them with and without, and it made a world of difference. Greg, take a sip of this beer. Okay, well, let me give it a uh, let me give it test the nose first. Okay, the nose really isn't as impressive as the flavor. It, it's not. It's not much impressive. It, there, there's a fruitiness there. I'm trying to pick her whether it was lemon or orange. I think it's more. It's more lemon. Yeah, it's a it's a little bit of lemon. The the aroma on that overall is it's light. It's it's not really easy to pick mm-hmm. up. You really have to go find the aroma with this beer. Hmm. <laughs> You hear that, folks? This is a, a it's a flavorful spiced beer, and it'll take us a second to figure out what we're tasting. The aroma is lemon, but the flavor is all orange, and it's it's really uh, an intense orange flavor, intense fruitiness, which is different from the whole garden. You can you can actually taste the pithiness of the peel in this one. Yeah, and really the fruitiness comes out front and center, as opposed to say the whole garden or the blue moon, where that you know, the blue moon malt was the center. In the Who Garden spice was the center. In this beer, in the Great Lakes Holy Moses, orange is the center. 
Exactly. And like I said, it, there's the peel they use. I'm tasting, it's a little bit of that pithiness that we've tasted in, in different beers, but not because of actual pithiness, pith in it. Yeah. And, uh, well, there's so, no, there's, I mean, if you're just putting an orange peel, there shouldn't be any pith in it. The I thing guess, is that yeah. the peel itself has all, has more essential oils inside of it than the actual fruit. Oh, okay. So, um, if you're doing it right, there shouldn't be pithiness, but I guess you know some got in there, or it's just you know the, the fact. Oh, I don't. I don't think it's bad. I just no, think it's, it's not bad. It just comes through because there's so much yeah. orange spice in there that you're getting that too. I mean, that's kind of what I was it's getting probably at. over. Yes, I mean that's what I was trying to describe. It's so orangey that you can even taste the pith in it. Maybe that's what I was trying to to convey. It is interesting, you know, like I say, that this is you know these are a good example of of taking three different trajectories with your wit. Yeah, your wit beer. Um, and which one is more? Which one is is better? I think it's personal preference. Very much so. So the the body on this one, the mouthfeel, it's lighter than the cores. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's probably slightly heavier than the the Who Garden, but it's a lot closer to the Who Garden than it was the cores. Yeah, the carbonation is more apparent in this one. This is the more heavily carbonated of the three we've had so far. Yeah, it's it's nowhere near as delicate. As the Who Garden was, mm-hmm. carbonation the bubbles felt a lot bigger yeah. than they did in the Who Garden. Who Garden felt like the tiniest more, carbonation bubbles you could get type thing. More, I guess, abrasive. But abrasive? I, well, I don't mm. abrasive maybe has negative connotations, but more. Don't you hate when you have, you're trying to? Yeah. It's a good word, but it, it, when people aren't tasting the beer, they're going to pick it up as yeah. a negative. Uh, but I mean, it, just, it, it feels more. It, it's a bolder, bolder carbonation. Yeah, that's a good one. And uh, yeah, there is sort of that that it ends kind of pithy and a little bit a little bit tart, uh, not quite as dry as say the Who Garden or the Blue Moon. It leaves a nice the the aftertaste that it leaves is a lot more fruity and mm-hmm. orangey than the Who Garden, which was mostly the coriander. Right. So the aftertaste is very different on this one, and I think I'm enjoying this aftertaste better. The the orange, the citrusy hanging around, I than the coriander. It's interesting because I think I'm enjoying the boldness of the upfront flavor more, but I think I enjoyed the aftertaste of the whole garden more. The aftertaste I think is a little bit. It's a little strong for it is. It's a little bit on the stronger side. But if I negate the intensity of the aftertaste, I enjoy the flavors in this aftertaste better. Hmm. I wouldn't say this aftertaste is overpowering. I wouldn't really take points away or anything like that for it's, how powerful it is. But it is. We've been having very light beers, light fla- light flavored beers, and so this is a much more intensely flavored beer of the same style. It, it's striking. It's catching us a little off guard. Um, that's why it tastes strong. But I mean, if you compare this to say um, an American pale ale or something, this would taste very very mild indeed. Yes, it would. It, it's catching me a little bit off guard, but at the same time, it's very it's delicious. Yeah, it's a, it's a good one. I like it. Uh, that is the Great Lakes Holy Moses and our final beer of the night, Whittakirk. We got two samples of Whittakirk. We're going to do one now, one in the post show. Right now we're going to be doing the bottle, and we're going to be doing a can in the post show. This is from, this is an actual Belgian wit from the brewery Bavik. Maybe we should do the can. We'll see. We'll pull this one. It's uh, it's a bit. It's light struck. So uh, let's see if it airs out. Uh, this is again donated by Jamie in I should say Jamie Belgian <laughs> in Charlottesville. Uh, this is um, let's see. The brewery started in eighteen ninety. Jamie gave us the can, not the light struck bottle. Okay, so. okay. So and it's hard to get a light struck can. <laughs> you need a bright light. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of crap here that you put here about the Belgian brewery that uh, is too late in the show to actually read. So <laughs> what do you say it's 5% alcohol? And yeah, it certainly does smell like shark, doesn't it? Not as bad as when I opened the bottle. So let's air this puppy out. Okay. The brewery that makes Wittekirk, which is Bavik, they also make Petrus, which you've had. You love some Petrus Old I Brun. love, uh, yeah, I mean, I wish we could do an Old Brun show because I love, you know, It'd be one beer. <laughs> Maybe yeah. two. Yeah, we, we can't really get old Bruins here and, unless somebody can send us some. A wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, but yeah, I, I love sour beers, and we're going to do a Lambic show soon. Yeah. But uh, I love old Bruins as well. We might be able to do it other sour beer show. I don't know. I mean, Berliner Weisses are very hard to get. I mean, we'll see what we can do. Yeah. 
but yeah, I I love sour beers too. It's just it's it's challenging to drink those puppies, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, once you get the hang of them, they're just complex and just so good. And maybe part of it is like maybe it's like the hot sauce thing. I like I can do hot sauce. I can do sour beers. I don't know if that's like a psychological thing or what, <laughs> but yeah, I love drinking that nice. Sour lambic, you know the Cantalon Grand Cru. Or yeah, Cant- I, I mean, I love the idea of you know sipping along this beer and really just enjoying it slowly, and getting that intense sourness and tartness from it. Who knows? This is a lighter beer. It's it's light along the same lines as the Holgarten and um, cloudy, billowy head. Cloudy. Yeah, it does look very similar to Holgarten. It's it's a yellow, almost white on the edges. It's white where it's not too thick through the glass. I'm still getting a fair amount of skunkiness. Behind the skunk, I'm noticing some oranginess. There's not that much skunk in the flavor. No, not getting a lot of skunk in the flavor, a little bit. Three quarters of the way through the aftertaste. Mm -hmm. A slight little pinch of skunk, and it goes away. But the rest of the beer is good. It's closest to the blue moon, wouldn't you say? Uh, Let me get another taste here. But with more coriander. Definitely more coriander. Yeah, it's a spicier... Yeah, it's closer to the blue moon, I think I agree. The, the, the fruit is still there. The fruit is there in, in the background. It, it's it's up in volume more than in the whole garden, and in the blue moon as well. And it's but the malt is still the first thing you notice here. It's it's more wheaty than the blue moon. Mm-hmm. So there's a higher percentage of wheat in this beer, I would say, than the blue moon. It's not as much you know traditional like full bodied sweet malty. Um, there's a lot of coriander in that. A lot of coriander and. You know. Now I think I can finally start to describe what coriander tastes like. So I'm going to take a stab at it here. It's a it's a grain. It tastes a little bit dry, like a like a powdery, but then it's also a little bit nutty as well. I always think of it as for some reason I associate flavors with colors. Okay, and I think of it as a green flavor, a, a, a greenish brown flavor. I can and see a brown flavor. I wouldn't really say a green flavor. Because green be a grassy type flavor to me. I think there's some elements of grassiness in there, but it's kind of a pea. Man, we're just going we're obscure yeah, here. Yeah. We're relating flavors to colors, and then colors to flavors. Um, it, it, you know, it, it's just it, it feels like I've, I've related it to I've related flavors in many ways the colors and also to um, you know what I think I know why I'm saying nuttiness and someone who knows. Coriander's going to kick my butt and say, you're wrong. But it reminds me a bit of uh, walnut, like a little slightly I guess it's, it's somewhat like that. Or maybe I mean, that brown skin on the outside yeah. of the walnut, you know, or something like I've that. I've also associated with flavors with with below and above. And this is, coriander's more of a below flavor, more of an earthy flavor, okay. which, you know, makes sense. It's a seed. It's actually the coriander seed cilantro comes from. Okay. And coriander and cilantro taste nothing alike. Exactly. You know, if this wasn't skunked, this might have been my favorite of the night. I can still taste some skunking it there, and that's kind of, it's lowering. It has a, um, help me work this out. In the two-thirds of the way back of your tongue, there's this full feel and it reminds me of that hazelnut beer we had. That's what it was. I don't know. Uncle Nuts? No, no, no. We had the hazelnut Christmas beer. Remember? I didn't like it because the hazelnut. It was during the winter season. It was part three or two. I really like the way this one finishes. Um that's why I'm drawing the whole nutty thing because I'm just tasting a similar flavor to that ha- what the hazelnut had. I don't I don't really taste much of a hazelnut here. I mean, I taste more of a tanginess as it goes away. Okay, but I mean, it, it, that's the thing is that I, I'm really liking the way this kind of fades. Well, in the post show, tune in for the post show because we're going to have another Whitakirk, which cannot be skunked because it's in an opaque beverage container. Is this filtered though? I don't think so. It should be the same beer. But it can't. I guess. Should be. <laughs> it's less though, so we gotta. That's twelve. This is eleven point two. Make sure you swirl your can before you pour it out. <laughs> My God, that's like just an oxymoron, yeah. isn't it? Well, now's about the time where we rank. Let's rank. My, I guess you did it first last time, so it's my turn. Yep. <sighs> okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 
probably different from what you'd say. Uh, my my favorite night would be Whitakirk if it wasn't spiked, if it wasn't skunked. I think that's interesting. So, like I say, I really enjoy the flavors there. There's a skunkiness there that I couldn't get past, but it's still very high off my list. So my my favorite of the night was the Holgotten. The I think that you know it's delicate, spicy, really brought about what I, I mean when I tasted. I was like, yeah, there. That's what I wanted to yeah. taste. Uh, like I say, the Whitakirk is second on my list. It would be first if it wasn't skunked. But I really, really enjoyed the flavors I was getting from that. It was a little bit. It was a little bit um, stronger than the than the Hoogarten. It was really it was assertive, but at the same time, you could taste all the different aspects of it. Uh, my next would be Holy Moses. Uh, really liked the uh, freeness there, but I thought it ended a little bit too pithy for my taste. Probably it just okay. ended it didn't quite right. And the Blue Moon, which was certainly serviceable, certainly a, a good beer, I uh, just felt it was probably the weakest of the night. Didn't have the spice. Didn't have the and spice. It looks like yeah. with, comparing these four beers, one of these beers ain't like the other. It's the Blue Moon because it didn't have the spice in it. And that's what you want out of a whip beer. You really want those spices. Yeah. All over to you, Jeff. Okay, so Blue Moon is going to be the uh, number four beer. Okay. Wit to Kirk is going to be the number three beer. Mm-hmm. I liked the the intense coriander. So it's for you folks out there who are trying to figure out what coriander tastes like. If you're not sure. I would say get the Whittakirk. It's it's a clear-cut example of what a coriander will taste like in a beer. It's kind of like how the um, the Mad Elf showed us what cherries taste like in a beer. Yeah. Okay, I can see that. Uh, the top two, I am torn. Um, I think I'm going to put the Who Garden number one. So delicate. Mm-hmm. And that's why. It was just such a light drinking beer. I really like the Great Lakes, too. It was a fuller one, and I could go either way. They're side by side, but if I had to pick a reason to put one head of the other, I, the Who Garden is just delicate. That you picked that, you came up with that word, and it it describes that beer to a T. Sounds good to me. Well, do we have a? Do we know what we're doing next week? Well, we're either doing a Unibrew, uh-huh. Lambiques, or I said we do fruit beers, fruit Lambiques, beer. fruit beer. I said we do fruit beers, fruit beers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's do fruit beers next week. Yeah, we're doing fruit beers next week. Some of the beers we'll be tasting is Unibrew um, Amphir Apple. I think it's Apple. Fort from Dogfish Head Craft hey. Brewery. Um, and some others. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you want to send us feedback, send it to beer at craftbeerradio.com. Post a comment on our website. Or give us a vote on Podcast Alley. We love hearing from you, so let us know how much you like listening to the show. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. If you have any questions or comments, email us at beer at craftbeerradio.com. And feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. Our intro and closing music is Lameface by Feeble Wiener. You can find a link to Feeble Wiener on our website. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Craft Beer Radio.